Well, good morning, church. I am so excited that you are here and you're worshiping with us this morning. Um, It feels good to at least partially be back into the church building. I know many of you are anxious uh, and want to get back to worshiping together. Um, And and we are trying. We are trying our best and working towards uh, getting us all back together in the church building. Uh, The praise team, as you can tell, and and I got together this week and we recorded here in the building. And this is where we're going to be. When we enter phase two um, and we have you guys back in the church building to gather together for worship, we're going to be down here in our community life center, in our gym. Uh, this place is a little bigger. We can hold a few more people while spaced out and still observing social distancing. Uh, but it also enables us to clean a little bit better before and after services. Uh, and so we are working towards what this looks like for, for us to get back together. Um, I want you to know how much the leadership has struggled and wrestled with the decision to stay closed on Sunday mornings to our, to our large gathering. Um, it has not been an easy decision and they have, they've prayed a lot about it. They've sought the wisdom of God to the best of their ability. Um, and, and I just want you to know a couple of the major reasons why we are still closed today um, and just doing our, our live online uh, worship and online streaming of our services. Uh, first, we recognize that our uh, our authority is God and not the government. We recognize that we have a responsibility to God above all else. And it's because of that responsibility with, to God uh, and the care that he has entrusted to the, the leadership and the elders here at Mechanical Church of Christ that there are many uh, who call MCC home who are at high risk. Um, and we don't want to provide an environment before uh, we are ready uh, to expose people potentially to COVID-19. Now, we know that many of you may not be at high risk, but there are so many who are not that do come in contact with people who are at high risk on a regular basis. And so it's truly out of an effort um, to protect you guys. I'd say the bigger reason though at this point is that we really truly believe God is moving and doing a work and he's trying to teach us something in these moments. Maybe you've been in the situation or maybe you know of someone who's been in the situation where maybe the doctor uh, tells you that if you don't start eating uh, more healthy and, and, and start exercising a little bit more, you might not see your next birthday or you might not be able to meet your grandkids or great-grandkids one day. And so almost immediately you go home and you're so, so into changing everything about your, your eating habits and exercising for a little while. And it doesn't take long before your efforts to, to do better are outweighed by the, the pull of your old habits, your old lifestyle, the old way of doing things to come back and, and eat the way you were before and not exercising. And we don't want that to happen to us. We don't want to learn something new, learn something that God is teaching us, and then come back to forgetting Maybe you had someone who was close to you pass away too young, too early, out of the blue, and and for a while you said, I know I'm not where I need to be with God. So there was more of an effort to, to go to church, to read the Bible in the morning, to have quiet time with God for a while. And then the pull of the way things used to be, the busyness of life interrupted that again. Romans 828 says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. 
And we hold tight to this, that no matter what is going on, God is working good in those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so we don't want to miss, we don't want to forget, we don't want to too quickly run back to the old way and the old, old life that we have when God is trying to teach us something good. And we don't want to miss that. And so I just want to ask you during this time, are you still deepening your faith, deepening your relationship with God? Or have you kind of hit pause? It's so easy during this time when we're not gathering together just to hit pause on your faith, pause on your relationship with Jesus. And, and because we're not gathering together, it's so easy to kind of let everything else slip and slide. But I need to tell you something, and you need to know this. That these large worship gatherings that that we're not doing in person right now, they're great. They are needed. Hebrews tells us to not forsake the gathering together. We need this. But this is not where your faith grows the most. Your faith grows the most when you spend time one-on-one with Jesus Christ. When you wake up early in the mornings or you stay up late or you carve out that time in the afternoon and you're in his word and you're reading and you're praying and you passionately pray to God and seek his face and seek him, that's where you grow the most. When you're part of a small group and you dive into scripture and you get to know the people in your group to such a level that they can say, hey man, I, I noticed this tendency or this pattern in your life and do you think it's the most God-honoring? Hey, man, I'm worried about you because it seems like you're not where you should be with your relationship with Christ. It's when people can call us out. It's in small groups. It's in the private one-on-one time with God that we learn and grow the most. So are you still learning? Are you still growing? It's when we can go out and we can serve our community, our neighbors. When we go out and serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus, that's when we grow in our faith. These are great, and I can't wait to get back to in-person, large worship gatherings. But it's not where we grow the most. So I ask you, have you hit pause, or are you still growing in your faith? The other thing that I'd like to ask of you is to be patient. Be patient with us during this time as we are still striving and trying to do the best we can to make a wise decision that honors God in the meantime. Let me remind you that love is described as patient in 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love, uh, patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, I know it's not easy. I know that there is a striving to do, to do more and to be busy and, and to jump right back in and to get right back and we miss each other. We miss seeing our family, our brothers and sisters. But I'd just like to ask you to be patient. I'm sure my parents are watching and Hannah's watching this right now and they're thinking, <laughs> you're not one to talk about patience. It is not my strong suit. I do not do well with patience at all. My parents have tried for years to teach me to be patient and it hasn't worked out. Hannah has tried and gets frustrated at me sometimes when I'm too impatient. I get my mind focused on something and I just do it. And she was, <laughs> she wishes so often I would be a little bit more patient. But the only time I'm able to be patient was when it's forced upon us. Uh, Right now, many of you know Hannah is pregnant. Tomorrow she is 34 weeks pregnant. And I cannot wait to meet my son. In fact, several times we've mentioned how great it would be if he was already here during this quarantine time. If we're already locked and trapped at home, we might might as well be locked and trapped at home with him. But that's definitely outside my, uh, my realm of, 
control and what I can, what I can do. And so this patience to wait on my son has been forced upon me. Um, back in, uh, back in October, we found out we were pregnant. We found out on Halloween morning, October 31st, um, if you go to MCC, you know that for uh, the last several years, we have a trunk or treat, and we usually pull our cars over in the parking lot here and open up our trunks that are decorated, and we put candy in the trunks, and we invite the community, and we, we want to provide a safe place for kids to go around and get candy and dress up and just have a good time. So it was torture as we found out just earlier that morning that Hannah was pregnant and I had to go to work and hide the silly grin on my face that was just ear to ear. Fortunately for, for Halloween, we had these masks and so no one could, uh, could see my face and how much I was smiling. Um, and we created this cave in one of the storage units here. And we put black paper in there and we created our own little place so that we could at least talk about it and talk about how excited we were together. And it was great until some of your kids actually came and found our cave and thought it was the greatest thing ever and and came in and interrupted our time. And it was great. We loved it. We really did. Um, But it was an exciting time. Hannah and I, since we've been married, have talked about and prayed for kids of our own. She wants a huge family and I want a couple kids as well. We're still talking about how many and time will tell. We'll, We'll see how many we end up with. Um, but we've been praying for kids. We've been praying for our kids uh, since we were married. We've been praying for our kids' spouses and their children and their, uh, their children's children. We are so excited. Ever since we found out we were pregnant with Graham, we've been praying for him specifically. We've been excited to meet him and praying for him. And, and that's what I'd like to share with you this morning. See, over the last few weeks, we've been uh, in this life verse series, and Mark has shared several life verses that have been important to him over the years. As I mentioned a couple weeks ago on Mother's Day, I, I don't know if I've lived enough life yet to really have one or two verses that I keep coming to throughout the entirety of my life to call a life verse. So on Mother's Day, I asked my mom what her life verse was, and I, and I talked to you about that, about Micah 6.8. Well, today what I'd like to share with you is the verse that we've really prayed over Graham more than anything else. In fact, we're, we're getting it printed on a great big um, picture frame, canvas print, uh, to put in his nursery because this is what we want him to know more than anything. We've prayed for him a lot. We've prayed for a lot of different aspects of him throughout his lifetime already, and we're going to continue to. But this prayer time and time again has come up, and we find it in Ephesians chapter 3. And in Ephesians chapter 3, 14, this is a prayer that Paul prays to the church at Ephesus and he bows his knees before God the Father and prays that he would grant you according to the riches of his strength to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your, uh, in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And this has been our prayer. This has been our deepest desire for Graham over the last few months. This has been what we have prayed for him, that we want him more than anything to know these two aspects of God. We want him to know more than anything else in the world, the power and the strength of the Spirit of God that dwells within him, that, that dwells in his inner man, And we want him to know how vast God's love is. How much God is love, how much he loves Graham, 
And we want him to be rooted and grounded in that love. That's what the first part of this verse talks about, to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner man. I want my son to know how much strength God has, how much power God has. I cannot wait for the day that I get to tell him about some of the, the heroes of the Old Testament, like Moses, who went b- before the Pharaoh and did these incredible things through the Spirit of God. How the Spirit of God empowered Moses to separate the sea and allow the Israelites to walk across on dry ground. How the Spirit of God empowered Joshua to just walk around the city gates and then the whole walls of the city came tumbling down. Can't wait to share about Samson just ripping open a lion through the power of the Spirit within him. I can't wait to share with him about the power and the strength that God gave Esther to go before the king, which was so dangerous, and then accuse the king's right-hand man of trying to kill an entire people group. Can't wait to tell him the story of Elijah and calling down fire from heaven so that God can prove once and for all who the only true God is. I can't wait to tell him about how the Spirit empowered Jesus and the disciples and and the early church to feed the multitudes, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. How the Spirit of God even raised Jesus from the dead. How Jesus defeated death once and for all. And now because of that, we can live forever with him in heaven and he can live in us. I can't wait to tell him how my relationship with God has been over the years and how I've been able to to enjoy this intimate relationship with him. Can't wait to tell him about the power I've experienced from God's spirit working in my life. I'm just so excited. Romans puts it this way. Romans chapter 8 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. I want my son to know about not just the power of Christ in him, but the new life that my son can have if he chooses to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And that has by far been our greatest prayer, that he becomes a man who accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior and lives this life here on earth for his Savior, Jesus Christ. I want him to know the power and the strength of God. And it's important to me that he knows this power and strength for two reasons. One, I want him to pee his pants a little bit when he thinks about how big and strong God is. I want him to know the magnitude of the God, the creator of the universe, who holds the world, holds everything in his hands. Too often we talk about the fear of the Lord or fearing God, and we downplay it to just be respect. But yet, when we look throughout Scripture, what we see is that when God makes himself known to people, when God comes and visits us here on earth, and we see a form of God or God's presence or or something from heaven here, what happens most of the time, 99% of the time, is that they fall on their knees, they fall on their face in awe and reverence and fear of God. And it's not just a fear of respect, it's a fear they are terrified, shaking at the knees. I want my son to know how big and strong and almighty our God is and to fear him with every fiber of his being. I want him to know more than anything how God is working in his life. I want him to know about the power of strength, of God's strength, of God's spirit in him. Take a look at the part of this verse though. It talks about strengthened with the power of his spirit in the inner man. 
I want him to know more than anything that the power of God is not against him. He doesn't have to fear that God is going to strike him down or kill him or come against him. He has confidence. Confidence that God in this power, the spirit of God that dwells within him is in his inner man and is working for him and is with him. I want him to know that whatever sin is in his life, whatever obstacles he faces, whatever is in his way, that God is there to support him and encourage him and strengthen him. That it's not my son's strength that overcomes obstacles, but the spirit and the power of God's spirit in him. You know, there's not going to be any question in people's minds who dresses our son uh, that morning that he comes to church or he goes out to the store. Um, This is what I'm going to dress our son as. I'm going to put on the onesie that says fresh out of the oven and ready for love. And I'm going to put a ninja turtle shell on, on his back. I'm going to, when he's asleep, try to stack Cheerios on his, on his head because that looks like a lot of fun. And then I'm going to send a, a picture to Eric when, when they have theirs and say, hey, beat this. I got seven. How many can you get? And it's, it's just going to be fun. Hannah's, you know, excited about the onesies with the, the collar to make it look like a polo and the suspenders and and that's cute, I guess. But this, this is what I'm looking forward to. As much fun as this is going to be, I care more about what's happening on the inside of him than the outside. One day he might come home from college or high school and say, hey, check this out, I got my ear pierced. Or tell us he's trying to grow out a mullet. And I might think a whole lot of things in my head. But at the end of the day, if I know that he's a man after God's own heart, if I know that he's a man of integrity and character, if I know that the power of the Spirit is working in his heart and crafting him into the man God would be proud of, and a man that looks closer to Jesus each and every day, maybe the mullet will help him look more like Jesus. And if that does, then power to him, right? I want him to be the, the man that God's called him to be. I want him to be pursuing humility and purity, trustworthiness. I want him to be a man who's deeply and madly in love with Jesus in his heart. And I don't care more, or I don't care more about the outer stuff as long as that and his heart is where it should be on the inside. We see this in Scripture that this is what God cares about more than anything else as well. Even in the Old Testament, uh, we see God telling Samuel to go and anoint the next king over Israel. And all God tells Samuel is that it's one of the sons of Jesse. And so he goes to the house of Jesse. Jesse says, I'm sure that it's my oldest son. So they bring out his oldest son, Elab, and they say when he, and it, and it says in First Samuel 16, 6, when they entered, he looked at Elab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the the height of his stature because I have rejected him. And it's not about what Elab did to be rejected. We don't read anything about a great moral failure or, or a reason that God has rejected him. It's because God is working in the life of David. It's because God is working in the life of David David and crafting him and creating him to be the man that God has called him to be. And so he says, for God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at his heart. God cares so much more 
about our heart and the inner life more than the, more than the external. We'll, we'll take a hundred pictures for Instagram or Facebook to post on social media to get the right angle with the, the right hair in the right place and the right lighting. And, and God does not care about those things as much as he cares about your heart and the kind of person that you are on the inside. We see this in the New Testament as, as Jesus rips the religious leaders a new one. As he talks about how they're whitewashed walls, about how they're graves with just dead bones on the inside, that they're doing everything they do for outward appearance, for people to be so proud of what they do on the external, that they're giving money away, that they're doing these loud prayers, that they're doing everything in their power for the external and to get the recognition from people. Jesus says that's not the way it should be. That you should be more concerned about the interior in your heart more than anything else. So I want my son to know the power and the strength of God's spirit at work within him to create him and mold him and form him into the man that he needs to be, a man after God's own heart. I want him to know that the inner is more important than the outer. The other thing I want him to know is about the love of God. The breadth and the length and the height and the depth of how much God loves him. I want him to know more than anything how big God's love is. I want him to know that no matter how he messes up, look, I'm I'm no dummy. I know my son is not going to be perfect. I know he's going to mess up. I want him to know God still loves him. No matter what he does, no matter how far away from God he goes, no matter if he even actively searches against God and, and, and disown him and walks away, that all he has to do is turn around and God's arms are open wide. That God's arms are open wide and ready to embrace him, ready to forgive him, ready to give him grace and mercy. I want him to know how big God's love for him is. I want him to always, always, always remember that. I want it to become such a part of who he is that he is rooted and grounded in love. I want him to know how big God's love is and it's such a part of who he is that that's where he finds his foundation, where he finds his base, that that he is rooted and grounded in love, that everything he does, everything he does is rooted and grounded in this love that when people interact with him, when people have conversations with him, even if it's a passing conversation at the store or, or wherever it is, that, that they walk away thinking, that guy cares about me. I want him to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ so deeply that it penetrates every aspect of his life. That everything he is comes from a love of God or is a loving act toward people. I want him to know the love of God so intimately, so deeply, so personally. This has been our prayer for our son. To be honest, over the last couple weeks, as as we're getting closer to, to Graham's due date, as we're getting closer to this transition happening at church, this has been my prayer for you too. Back in the, the end of last year, Mark announced his decision to retire this summer. June 14th is his last Sunday, um, and it's coming up quick. 
As we've gotten closer, this has been my prayer for you as I prepare to step into Mark's roles and Mark's shoes, and they're big shoes to fill. This has been my prayer for you. That you know the power and the strength of God at work within you. That you know that you know that the inner man is more important than the outer. It's been my prayer for you that you know how big God's love is. And it's been my prayer that you be rooted and grounded in love. See, I know that so many of you, so many of you have made excuses why what you've done is unforgivable or how it's just too much that God, God surely has run out of grace by now or there's been too many times that you've messed up and, and there's just not a, there's just not enough anymore. But, but that's not what, what his word says. That's not what his word teaches us that no matter where you go, no matter how far you go from God, there's always love, there's always grace, there's always forgiveness. All you have to do is turn around and see the cross and see Jesus Christ and see his arms open wide saying, that I love you, I forgive you, my beloved child. Two years ago, I was terrified of becoming a husband. As we were looking forward to our wedding just a few weeks away, I had no clue how to do this husband thing, what it would be like. And, and I don't mean to toot my own horn by any means, but I, I think that over the last couple of years, I've started to get the hang of it. I have certainly messed up more times than I would like to admit. I've certainly made more mistakes, and I, I will be the last person at all to say that, that I should write a book on how to be a husband. But I think I've done an okay job. And in 30 years from now, I'll look back and I'll see all the ways I could have done things better and I should have done things better and I will still be learning and still not at all be an expert, but man, what a journey it's been so far. I have no clue what kind of father I'm going to be. I have no clue how this is going to go. There's part of me that is terrified to death my, uh, my mom was telling me of the times where my dad would drop me and I still turned out okay. And she told me about the first time that he gave me a bruise and the look on his face was just sheer terror. I'm terrified. I think I'll do a pretty good job though. I won't be perfect and I'm not at all claiming to be an expert and, and never will claim to be an expert. I'm sure that 30 years from now there will still be things that I'm learning and trying to do better. But at the end of the day, I think I'll be okay. I'm terrified to take over and step into Mark's shoes as senior minister. I've never been one before. I think I'll do an okay job. I'm sure I won't be an expert though by any means. And I'm sure that 20, 30, 40 years from now I'll look back and, and, and see the things that I did wrong and that I should have done different and I wish I could have changed this or done that. I won't by any means pretend to be an expert and, and write a book about it. But I hope I'll do a good job. And I think the key to it is remembering how, how Paul writes up this letter to the church in Ephesus. 
And he wraps it up in verse 20 by saying, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him. Not to me, it's not my own strength that I'm a great husband or a great father or a great pastor. It's not my own strength that makes me good or great at anything. It's, it's to him. It's his spirit, his strength at work within me. It's his spirit that's guiding me, that's leading me. It's my responsibility to depend on him who is able to do far more abundantly than what I can do on my own. And it's your responsibility to depend on him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what you can do on your own. Whatever obstacle, whatever sin, whatever hurdle is in your way, whatever you are facing right now in your life, it is him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what you can even begin to imagine. That the power, the greatness, the magnitude of God's Spirit lives inside of you and is supporting you and encouraging you and He's empowering you to overcome whatever is in your way. To Him be the glory. As long as we can keep that the focus. As long as I can remember to glorify God in my role as a husband in my role as a father, in my role as a minister, as long as I can remember to glorify God in all that I do and allow His Spirit to move and work through me. The rest is up to Him. Father God, I thank You so much for the power and the magnitude of your spirit living within us. God, thank you for the, your son and the cross and defeating death that enables your spirit to live inside of us. God, I pray that we can just get out of the way. I pray that we can move to the sidelines, we can move to the background, that we can get out of the way of our own lives and let you come through and let you shine in the process. God, may everything we do be to glorify you, be to honor you. May every word out of our mouth, every thought through our mind, every motive of our heart be to glorify and magnify you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, there are so many things in our lives right now that seem like giants. There's an obstacle at work. There's a sin um, that we hide. There's there's the ways that we wish that we were a better husband, a better wife, a better mother, a better father, a better employee, a better boss. God, may we remember how strong and big you are. May we remember how much you love and cherish your beloved children. May we hold tight to your promise to do good work, to move in our life. God, help us to sink into the background and let you shine so that you get the glory and you get the praise forever and ever. Amen.